and we ended up writing it and we just went as brutal and honest mm -hmm. as we could and there was a there was a moment in writing that song where we said um it was the it was the first verse and there was a line in the first verse we came out with that said um let's see what was it um are you just remember the, how it starts she thinks life is fair god hears every prayer and everyone gets there ever after she thinks love is love and if you work hard that's enough skin's just skin and it doesn't matter and that her friend's older brother's going to keep his hands to himself and that somebody's going to believe her when she tells and when we came out with that line we were like yeah this is not going to be a radio song but we don't care mm -hmm. and so we ended up writing it that way and then <clears throat> sure enough that's the song that her label decided to go with. And she wow. put it out. And next thing we know, she's on the Academy of Country Music Awards stage mm -hmm. performing this song backed up by Keith Urban. And she's the first black woman to ever do an original song on that show in 55 years of history. And we're watching it in COVID in our pajamas yeah. on, you know, on the couch. <laughs> and, then, and then it becomes a, um, a display at the Country Music Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And they have her dress from when she performed it. And they have screenshots from my phone on the day that we were texting back and forth afterwards going oh what did we just do wow. and so they had it in this display that was dedicated to d diversity in country mm -hmm. music and i got to take my daughters to that and say this is about you wow and it was the most beautiful full circle thing mm -hmm. to ever experience that and it came out of this cry of honest frustration yeah um, Hey, I'm Lauren Lucas. I'm obsessed with learning and I live for true authentic connection. I'm a wife, a working mom, professional singer songwriter, and an instructor of songwriting at my alma mater, Belmont University. You could say that life's a little full. I'm always looking for a way to sneak in some me time with great friends, good food, and meaningful conversation. Here we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, the hard, and the wonderful. My guests include well-known recording artists, hit songwriters, film directors, wellness coaches, and creative entrepreneurs. Plus, we throw in a delicious beverage, an easy weekend recipe. Think of it like happy hour, but better. I'm Lauren Lucas. This is The Happiest Hour. It's the happiest hour when I'm with you. It's the happiest hour. Let's raise our glasses to doing this crazy life. Keeping it real can't get much better As long as I'm with you It's the happiest hour Oh, a quick P.S. My plan is to bring you a full season of the happiest hour. But let's be honest, as a busy working toddler mom, work-life balance, at least for me, can be a challenge sometimes. So I might skip a week here and there. Here's what that means. No matter how you enjoy the happiest hour, whether it's through the YouTube live video or through your favorite podcast app, make sure you hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications for the latest episode. That way, you won't miss a thing. Hi, welcome to the happiest hour where we talk about life, business, and balance. Because when you're with great friends and a delicious beverage, it's more than happy hour, it's the happiest hour. Today, my guest is Victoria Banks. You have heard her songs on the radio, sung by some of the biggest artists out there. We're talking Jessica Simpson, 
uh, Mickey Guyton, Sarah Evans, the list goes on and on and on. She is a Canadian Country Music Association winner as female artist of the year and songwriter of the year. She is an instructor of songwriting at Belmont University. She is a mom, she is a wife. We are gonna talk about all the things, wearing all the hats, how life pivots in strange ways and in the best ways. So I cannot wait for you to meet Victoria. Let's dive on in. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome to the happiest hour. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being my I'm guest. I'm happy to be here. Oh, good. I see what you did there. <laughs> Song, the songwriter in you. <laughs> okay, so you're originally, what part of Canada are you from? I'm from Muskoka, Ontario. Ontario, so okay. A couple hours north of Toronto where there was a lot of snow. Okay. Of snow. And what, I mean, you have a, um, a really unique story in just your past and all the different things that you've done. And so what brought you to Nashville? And we'll get into some of that, but what brought you to Nashville? Um, well, so I was raised in a house that was heated with just wood. And my dad was a hoarder slash collector of antiques. And he had all of these phonograph record machines and the cylinder records to play them on. Like thousands of these things that we lived around the corners of. And so um, I fell in love with music that was played on a cranked up phonograph machine. Oh and um, a lot of it was old um, Stephen Foster songs mm -hmm. and folk songs, which just had this beautiful simplicity of writing. And so I just fell in love with that. And I was also classically trained on piano growing up and, and in voice. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, okay. um, but I didn't really know anything post 1940 until I went to school. <laughs> and I was like, what is so this? You were really witchery? popular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was an interesting child. Uh -huh. So, um, but yeah, I fell in love with songwriting, but I didn't have the guts to pursue music as my one thing hmm. uh, when it came time to choose a college. Uh, degree to get. So I ended up going for zoology, which nothing against zoologists. It's an amazing thing. Yeah, yeah. And I loved zoology and it made sense because I lived in the middle of nowhere and I loved everything outdoors and mm -hmm. animal related. Um, but I wrote songwriting, you know, lyrics across all of my notes wow. all through school. And so, okay, wait, yeah. let me pause you just for a second. So when you say you didn't have the guts to, to go to school for music, mm -hmm. was that self-imposed or was that like a little bit from home going like, that's not really a career. That's a hobby. It, I think it from? was a little bit of both. Like mm -hmm. I, I've always been a people pleaser and I've wanted to do what people expected me to do to hold up my end of the bargain. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I was sort of expected to get a degree and expected to have a, a job that was a real job that I could rely on. Yeah. Um, and my family, a lot of my um, family, extended family is in classical music and they knew how hard it was to okay. do yeah. Um, but they also didn't really know that songwriting was a was a job, mm -hmm. and neither did I at that point. Mm -hmm. um, but I started to discover that um, as I was looking at back then, looking at the liner notes on the CDs that I was buying yeah. and seeing, ooh, songwriter is a different person than the singer on these songs. Mm -hmm. And listening to a lot of country music, and I started to make a little nerdy book about who these songwriters were. And oh, cool. Um, and then by the time I finished school, I was absolutely in love with songwriting and Nashville because I knew I had figured out that's where these people are okay. and I wanted to go there. And so what, what were some of the records you were listening to that inspired you in this way? I listened to a lot of the powerhouse women in the nineties. So mm -hmm. I was listening to Faith Hill, Martina McBride, um, the very early Sarah Evans, um, Leanne Womack. Um, and I was absolutely in love with. Um, Matrisa Berg as a songwriter. Oh, yeah. 
because she had written a lot of songs for a lot of those people. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, I was like, I want to be her. I want to do what she does. And but I still probably would have gone into a full time career as a zoologist because I was working um, with freshwater fish in the Muskoka Lakes for my summer jobs, and I was going to go there full time after I graduated. But in my last year of school, there was an election, and the new premier of the province closed the department down. And oh, I suddenly goodness. had a completely blank slate. And a blank slate is a terrifying gift. In yes. <laughs> I mean, that almost yeah. seems like divine timing. Yeah. I think Whoa. so now looking back. That was the only thing that would have made me follow my dream. And it was wow. basically erasing the expectation. Because not only was my job gone, but there were the whole market was full of, of overqualified zoologists who'd been working for 20 years and, you know, trying to find wow. jobs. So I knew I was like, well, I'll never get a job in this. So maybe maybe I can do what I really want to do, which is move to Nashville and try to write songs and see what happens. So I went to my graduation and I went through the line and the um, chancellor of the university was a university of Toronto was handing out all of the, the degrees. And he was asking the people in front of me, what are you going to do next? And they're like, oh, I'm going to medical school. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to Nashville. I'm going to write songs. Wow. And, and he goes, let me know how that goes for you. Uh -huh. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay, so how, so you had your set, your sights set on songwriting. Mm -hmm. You are also a Canadian Country Music Association award winning female artist of the year. So how did you pivot into artistry? Was that always something you also wanted to do or yeah. how did that happen? I never really had the dream, I didn't dare to dream that I could be the singer, the performer. Um, when I went to Nashville, I didn't participate in the music scene in Canada at all before mm -hmm. I went. I just went and got in on the songwriting level and started writing songs for other artists. Mm -hmm. But I was doing that for about 10 years um, with some success and a lot of frustration. And I had written so many songs that felt special to me that just weren't finding their way onto anybody's records. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that I needed to make my own. And I was just going to make a record like a CD so that I could sell it at the Bluebird Cafe after I played a show. Yeah. And actually at the time I was going through a divorce. I got married pretty early on when I moved to Nashville and um, really put my head in the sand because I married someone in the music business mm -hmm. and I basically just allowed them to be my person that went out into the world with my songs. Mm -hmm. So I just wrote and I now mm -hmm. realize that's not enough. You have to have a network. You have to yeah. have people. You have to be engaged with the, with the rest of the world. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, so I was like, I forced myself to get out and start playing the songs and, and performing. And so that's what took me to the Bluebird Cafe. And that's what took me to a place where people were saying, hey, where can I buy your, these songs? I mm -hmm. love them. So um, I decided to make my own record. And again, one of these things, I do this a lot, and I know we've talked about this. It's like, I have no business doing this, so I'll do it. And here I go. Let's see <laughs> yeah. how this goes. I don't know how to do this, but I'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I did, made a record, and then the record fell into the hands of someone in Canada who was starting a record label that was a partnership with EMI up there. And they wow. said, these songs need to be out on the radio. Would you like to be our first, you know, wow. signee? So I signed, and next thing you know, they're sending me out on the road opening for Reba McIntyre and Winona and Randy Travis and Lone Star. And I'm crossing Canada with my guitar playing these shows for 10,000 people when I've literally never played for anyone 
any audience bigger than like the hundred people that fit into the Bluebird Cafe. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that was crazy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Was it terrifying? Was it exciting? Was it both? I mean, how, how did you cope with that? It was all of the above. It was a huge exercise in not letting my brain freak me out. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like you're about to walk out on stage and your brain wants to say, you have no business yeah. doing this. You are not qualified. <laughs> you are an imposter in this place. And I had to have a conversation with myself mm. and say, I got it. I got it. Shut up. Mm -hmm. I got it. I can do this. The people out there are on my side. I know what to do. I got the songs. I'll sing them. That's I'll just right. Just do what I do. Well, and, and, and you worked. are qualified. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know this now, but for anyone listening too, you're the expert of your life. And if you are writing the songs, and as you said, they're special to you, they need to be heard. Why not? Why not you? Yeah. You know? So I love that. Okay. So I'm curious, I guess, um, two questions around the same thing with it kind of is how does the industry differ in Canada, the country, country industry, the Nashville and was Nashville taking note at all of your artist career in Canada? Like, <laughs> do they talk to each other? How does that work? <laughs> so that has changed now, but at the time, this is around 2009, 2010. Okay. Um, the, People in the industry, in the music industry in Nashville, couldn't give a flip about what mm. was going on anywhere else. Okay. Um, and so... That, that tracks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was difficult because I felt like I had to split myself in two. I was mm. still writing under publishing deals in Nashville, so I still needed to be here writing songs. And, and so I would write in the office Monday to Thursday, a song or two a day sometimes, mm -hmm. co-writing. And then I would get on a plane on Friday and fly three legs up to somewhere in northern Alberta and pick up a band from somewhere close by and then go on stage, play a festival on Saturday and then fly three legs back on Sunday and then be back in the writing chair. And I'd get back in the writing chair Monday and they'd be like, oh, good, you're back. We missed you on Friday. Come on, let's get to work. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> you know, so it, it felt very much like I had to be two of me, which was mm. very difficult. Um but uh, the the scene in Canada is um, is a lot smaller. It's like a microcosm of what it is here. So mm -hmm. everything is about ten percent the size. There's ten percent the audience. Mm -hmm. There's ten percent the money to be made. Um, and when you are performing, you, I mean, the places you're performing are very far and wide. So mm -hmm. I mentioned picking up a band. I mean, it's very difficult to have a band that travels with you okay. financially. Yeah. So you've it's, you know, you're flying somewhere, you're picking up a band there, and then you're going to the somewhere else, and you're picking up a band there. Oh, so, I see. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit, it's a lot of just trying to, trying to go with it, go with yeah. the flow. And because literally, the population size and the geography yeah. make it different. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. interesting. And there's a lot of driving a rental car van in the middle of the night, you know, and then, yeah. and then you're going out on stage and it's so glamorous. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, now I'm back in the rental car <laughs> yeah. on the dirt roads, right, right, <laughs> so, right. but it's yeah. an adventure for sure. And I had a wonderful manager, Kate House, who traveled with me. So it was nice. two girls in a car having a ball. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So you have, you've done a lot of pivoting in your life as, as have I, I think we have that in common and maybe, you know, Maybe all artists and creative entrepreneurs do that to, to a degree. Mm -hmm. Zoology, songwriter, artist, Belmont instructor, mom, wife. I mean, like, there's a lot going yeah. on. And 
sounds like some of it has organically happened. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I lost, I completely lost my job. Now I can go yeah, do my I, dream yeah. anymore. <laughs> What's next? This isn't <laughs> happening. No one's hearing this. So it just kind of organically, like I'll, I'll be the one to step up and do it. Mm-hmm. So some of that, it sounds like happened very gradually and organically. I guess what I'm curious about is how has, how have all of those pivots benefited you? Like, it, is, <laughs> is it something that you almost like begrudge, like, uh, or is it something that's really enhanced your life? I love it. I love it. They, they have been terrifying to mm. do. Um, and because, I mean, I, I literally most of the time ask myself, like, what business do you have doing this? Mm. You know, it's a lot of the time it's, it, there's a lot of fear involved. It's something you don't really know that much about that you're trying to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm so proud of the accomplishments I've made in each of those directions and my ability to move beyond it when it didn't serve me anymore. Mm, mm. That's a big part of it too. Is like, and, and it's only you can tell yourself when it's not serving you anymore. And that's a difficult thing because especially in a business where there's a lot of, you know, exposure and fan base and media, and there, there can be an external dialogue coming at you about your success and, and, and what is, what's, you know, what the story is about what you're doing mm-hmm. and how well you're doing right mm-hmm. now. Um, but you have to be the one to ultimately decide what is going to make me happy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's where some of the pivots have come in. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. I can understand that. <laughs> yeah. I can understand that. And it does, it takes a lot of courage because it is an identity. I mean, you mm-hmm. get kind of locked in yourself, yes. even, you know, to buying into this identity. Mm-hmm. And then when you realize like, Oh, I'm not really supposed to be here anymore. Yeah. Your self-worth gets very tied up in, in yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a a strange, um, almost purity mindset that the music industry has, especially in Nashville, where um, it's like, if you're not doing just this and successful in it, then you don't count. You know, and, and, and you don't and yet, count. How are you supposed to earn a living? How that's are you right. supposed to have a balanced life? How are you, you know? That's right. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's so important. I remember a really um, very uh, successful hit songwriter many years ago. And he's not the only one who has said this. A lot of people say this, at least they used to. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can think, if you can imagine yourself doing anything else, do it. Yes. (laughs) And now I find that, and I really bought into that, you know, and now I find that to be so fear mongering. Yeah. I don't say that to people. People say that to students a lot. And when I teach, I I don't say that. I Mm. don't, I don't believe that. Yeah. I think it's all, I think you should do it all. Yes. You know, do it all. Why not? It all informs who you are as a human being and it informs your writing. Oh yeah. It makes you, you you got more to say. You have more in your life. That's right. Yeah. And it's so much more important at least for me, I got so tied up into, um, I want to be a great artist. I want to be a great writer. I didn't forget about being a great person, but there, I just, it was almost like I was compartmentalizing my life and like, that's all that mattered. And I mean, I, I want people who want to do this industry to to want to be great people first and it takes, you know, you have to be well-rounded. Yeah. So that's true. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that you're, that you said that and and kind of don't buy into that too, because I think that's, a detriment mm-hmm. when we tell people that. I think so too. So, okay. So pivoting a little bit, um, I guess pivot's my word. Yeah, the, that's good. Today. Pivot's a good word. <laughs> Cheers to that. <laughs> um, so you've written a ton of songs. You've had cuts by some of the biggest recording artists out there. Jessica Simpson, Mickey Guyton, Sarah Evans, and the list goes on. So favorite 
and you've also cut your own songs. I mean, there there's a wide range of artists who cut your songs. You're just from you personally, the way you feel in your heart about it. What would you say is your favorite cut? Ooh, that's like, which is your favorite baby? Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I can answer that question actually, because I think for me, my favorite cut is um, one of the songs that Mickey Guyton put out that I wrote with her and Emily and Karen Kozowski called mm. What Are You Gonna Tell Her? Mm. And it's Did a, you write it with Emily Shackleton? Uh, Emily, actually, is her name. Oh, Emily. Oh, Emily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Um, th- three Canadians. Emily, oh. Karen, and I are Canadian, and, and then Mickey. <laughs> nice. um, but that song, uh, it, it was such a crazy journey to that song. A big part of what you do as a songwriter in this town is you work with artists that you think might be the next big thing. You know, mm-hmm. you're trying to plant your seeds. But I've spent so many years working with so many artists and, and had nothing to show for it. And mm-hmm. you never know who that one might be that pops up. Um, but I had been working with Mickey for 10 years, and she was the only Black woman to be signed to a major label record deal um, in country music. And it was just like we kept hitting wall after wall. We would write these songs. And she would try to, you know, she'd take, we'd write a great country song and she'd take it to her label and they would say, I don't know, it's awfully country, Mickey. I don't know if anybody's going to believe that you're country Mm. to this girl who grew up on a dirt road in Texas listening to Dolly Parton. (laughs) And and we were like, well, I guess we better do more of a pop thing. So we did like the pop side of country and she would take that to her people and and they'd say, well, I don't know. No one's going to believe your country if we try to put this out to country radio. (laughs) So it was like, just kept hitting the wall. And we got to a point where we were just really frustrated and I was getting ready to walk away from the business, frankly, mm-hmm. um, as a, as a mom and as a woman, um, it was just really difficult. Mm-hmm. And, and Mickey was getting re- ready to do the same thing. And so we sat down in the room together, the four of us, and we started talking about that. And Mickey said to me at the time I had <clears throat> two girls, uh, ages two and four. Mm-hmm. And she said, Vic, what are you going to tell your daughters about the world? Like, are you going to tell them that it's not fair for them? Or are you just going to let them grow up and find that out for themselves? Mm. You're kind of like, which, what do you do? And I, I said, I don't know. I don't know. I ask myself that every day. And over in the corner, <clears throat> excuse me, Emily was like, girls, we need to write that. We need to write that. That's our song. And we were like, really? We need to write that? Wow. And we ended up writing it and we just went as brutal and honest mm-hmm. as we could. And there was a, there was a moment in writing that song where we said, um, it was the, it was the first verse and there was a line in the first verse we came out with that said, um, let's see, what was it? Um, are you just, I have to remember the, how mm-hmm. it starts. She thinks life is fair. God hears every prayer and everyone gets there ever after. She thinks love is love, and if you work hard, that's enough. Skin's just skin, and it doesn't matter. And that her friend's older brother's going to keep his hands to himself, and that somebody's going to believe her when she tells. And when we came out with that line, we were like, yeah, this is not going to be a radio song, but we don't care. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up writing it that way. And then, sure enough, that's the song that her label decided to go with, and she put it out, and next thing we know, She's on the Academy of Country Music Awards stage Mm -hmm. performing this song backed up by Keith Urban. And she's the first black woman to ever do an original song on that show in 55 years of history. And we're watching it in COVID in our pajamas on on the couch. (laughs) 
and then and then it becomes a um, a display at the Country Music Hall of Fame, and they have her dress from when she performed it, and they have screenshots from my phone on the day that we were texting back and forth afterwards, going, "Oh, what did we just do?" Wow. And so they had it in this display that was dedicated to d diversity in country mm -hmm. music. And I got to take my daughters to that and say, this is about you. Wow. And it was the most beautiful full circle thing mm -hmm. to ever experience that. And it came out of this cry of honest frustration. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, it taught me a lot about what, music is capable of doing mm -hmm. when you almost have lost faith in it, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. I love that. I love that. So you do, so you are a mom yes. and wife. You wear all the hats. How, how do you balance it all? And <laughs> what advice, if any, could you give to other people who are young moms, want, starting their own businesses, working jobs? I mean, how, how do you balance it? Because so much of our job, even if we're signed to publishing deals or if we're teaching at Belmont or if we're signed to a label or whatever we're doing, we're still, um, I mean, for labels and publishers, we're not an employee of that company. Yeah. We're still our own entity. So uh, we are still our own little business. Yeah. So, yeah, how do you do it all? Mm -hmm. Really good question. I was terrified when I... Well, first off, we, we adopted both of our girls. I was terrified the first time to tell my publisher that I was going to become a mom. And I was even more terrified the second time because it happened in kind of a quick, oh, we have a baby for you way. Yeah, yeah. And I cried and I went into the office and I said to them, I don't know what to do. I want to be a mom and I want to be a successful songwriter and I don't know how to do both. And what do I do? And of course they were like, you gotta be a mom. I mean, this, you can't say no to this opportunity. And they were wonderful. Luckily they were a small company and they said, bring your child in, put her in a pack and play if you need to, mm. whatever we got to do. Um, which is unusual. Mm. The, the hard reality of it is that this, this, I mean, this world, this country, this world, our business model, the way we schedule our time in order to make a living, is not very compatible with being a well-rounded human being and a mom at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's, it is a very hard thing to do. And for me, it comes down to time management really. Mm -hmm. And I have to be very purposeful now about how I spend my time before I spend my time, which is something that I never really did before, Yeah. but I actually will sit down, at the beginning of each week and plan out the week in advance. Here's the time for me. Here's the time when I get to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Here's the time when I am going to make some food, you know, for the week. Here's yeah. the, you know, here's when I'm going to grocery shop. Here's when I'm going to work. And then I, I this is kind of nerdy, I guess, but I, <laughs> I mean, I take the things that I need to do that week and I split them up into days and each day I'll have, these are the things I have to do today. And these are the two other things that I need to try and get done. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. all I do each day is look at that list of things. And I don't look beyond it because I've looked beyond it when I'm doing the big picture at the beginning of the week. Yeah. So when I'm in it, I don't have the brain power to look beyond where I am. And I know I'm going to be slogging through that day. Yes. So um, that's, that's where I kind of 
hold myself in the general trajectory where I want my life to go is like in those planning sessions, mm -hmm. that, that thinking about your time before you spend it. I love that. Yeah. That That is so helpful. Do you have a, a morning routine? I'm just curious. Like, do you get up before your family just to have a little yeah. time? Yeah. And what I, do you do in that time? I do. So um, now I've fallen out of this during COVID and I need to get back in it, but I'm starting to get back in it now. Um, it's it's difficult to get up before children who get up at the crack of dawn. <laughs> what time do yours get up? They get up at six. Okay, yeah. So it's before six. Yeah. But even just like twenty minutes before six, whatever it whatever I can get, I'll mm -hmm. try and do that. And I will um I'll I'll have some tea and I'll sit and I will um I might read a little bit. I might do a little sort of meditation. Um and I like to have a conversation with my source with a capital S mm -hmm. and talk about that day and just say, here's, here's what I'm going to be doing today. Please help me hear what I need to hear and see what I need to see and follow where I need to go. Mm -hmm. um, please help the people come into my life that are going to help me get where I want to go and you know, all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And just sort of try to have a conversation Yeah, before right. everybody comes into my day. Um, Oh man, there was something I was going to ask when you were saying that. Let's see if I can remember it. Oh, <laughs> curious if you and your husband do, um, like we, our household, we have family meetings and they're yes. not, um, they're not like planned, but usually it's like, there's usually a night, almost a week where once my son's down for bed, my husband and I are here in the den going like, okay, let's get our count. Let's get our iPhones out and our calendars and I have a kitchen calendar in the kitchen too. Yep. And we're comparing all the things so we can visually all see it in the kitchen. And then it's all on our phones and it's like, you're picking them up from school this yes. day and I'm taking them this day and la da 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 da. Do y'all do that? Yeah, we do. And meeting? now, so my kids are now seven and five. Okay. And we include them. Oh, yeah. nice. And it's actually a, a really great way. I've, I follow this wonderful podcast um, that's called Parenting the Adlerian Way. And it's all about giving your children agency and mm. responsibility and just like a diplomatic participation in what's going on in mm -hmm. the house. And so um, we, um, we, every Sunday night we do that. We sit down and we come up with a list of what the, what the meals are going to be. Mm -hmm. um, because my seven-year-old is very picky. And so part of that is like, okay, we will listen to your choices on some things and you will have to listen to our choices on others. And we'll decide in advance what those will be so that you know we're going to have chicken, whether you like it or not, on uh -huh. Wednesday. And you just have to suck it up. <laughs> and then we'll have your mac and cheese. Yeah, on yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's like part of them. And then so we have this give and take and we plan it out. And then that helps to, you know, plan our time. Right. So yeah, including that in, in them in that has been a really nice way to start the day. And I put it on the fridge, like that. Yeah, the oh, calendar on the cool. fridge. Here's yeah. what we're doing. Here's what dinner's gonna be. And um, yeah, so oh, I love that. Yeah. That just gives it gives me warm fuzzies. Even just as busy as our lives get, and as much as we love doing what we do professionally, mm -hmm. there's just. I mean, I love being a mom, yes. and I know you love being a mom, yeah. and just envisioning that little time with your sweet family, yeah. like it's just awesome. Yeah, and I love. I think it's really important, you know, I was talking about like being down in it and being in my day. Part of that, part of what I want to do with my day is have time when I can be fully immersed in being with my kids mm -hmm. and not halfway on the phone or halfway on the computer while I'm trying to, 
you know, mm-hmm. to spend my time with them. I want to be fully engaged where I can put my phone away and yeah. I don't have to be doing anything else. I think it's really important that it doesn't even take, if, if you're super busy, it doesn't even take that much time. Mm-hmm. It feels like a lot of time to your child. If you spend 20 minutes with them yeah. in a day and allow them to say what you're going to do in that 20 minutes. Like, yeah. Okay. You're in charge. What are we going to play? Yeah. And just go there with them. Yeah. They love that. And, and it earns, um, it earns you the ability to get some, get something from them when it's time for bed, you know, yes. okay, we're in a good mood with each other now. Let's do this together. Yeah, so, yep. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. That's great. Um, okay. So kind of on a girly note, favorite product, something you just cannot oh. live without. So I discovered this product. It was actually one of those Instagram commercials. And usually those <laughs> don't work out them. very well. Uh-huh. I bought some clothes through that. They were terrible. Mm. But this product is great. It's it's um, a beauty product called Say, S-A-I-E. Okay. And um, they have this foundation, which is like a sunscreen foundation. And I'm allergic to chemical sunscreen. So it's oh. like a mineral sunscreen, but it's not white. Okay. So oh, good. it yeah. has like, it's, it's the different colors of foundation. So it's like a moisturizer, sunscreen, foundation all at the same time. Nice. And it's like velvety and smooth and wonderful. So okay. I love that. And they also have one that doesn't have color in it. So I use that sometimes for just sunscreen. Okay. Nice. But yeah, that's um, that's my thing. Oh, that sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like a must. Is yeah. The, the moisturizer or sunscreen. Yeah. Having coverage. All, yeah. It's all like that. One. That's I don't have to put three different things on now. Yeah. So it shortens my day. <laughs> oh, that's great. Especially yeah. if your skin's really sensitive this, yeah. to that. Um, that's great. Not mm-hmm. an option. Okay, say. I'll yes. have to check that out. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so final question, question I ask all my guests. Um, if it were all if it were all gone tomorrow, the the hit songs, the records, the cuts, the guitar playing, the teaching at Belmont, all you know, if all of that were gone, what what would you want people to know or what would you want to leave behind? I think I would just want to feel like I put love and positivity out into the world and the people around me Mm. in whatever it was that I was doing. And I don't think it matters really what you're doing. You can be be collecting the garbage, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you put out something beautiful into the world, I think it's just a way of making it a better place for everyone, you know? Um, I, I guess that, that sounds cheesy, but that, I think about that a lot. I think about that a lot with my kids, and I think about that in teaching, like the seeds that you plant with people. I think a lot of the time it's not about the information you're giving them as much as it is the way you're making them feel mm. and the way you're making them feel about themselves yes. and how they're going to carry that forward and internalize that going going forward. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you do a good job of that. Oh, thank you. Right. So you're well, you're well on your way. So cheers. Cheers. Thank you so thank much you for being for my guest. <laughs> this is Victoria Banks. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can find Victoria. Um, I'll put all of the links where you can find Victoria and her music uh, in the show notes below. Thanks so much for tuning in. Oh, that was so much fun. I wish I could talk to my guests for hours. If you want more from the happiest hour too, make sure you head over to laurenlucas.com slash happiest hour for the show notes, recipes, and products mentioned in the episodes. And you can learn how to access happiest hour bonus content. Oh, and if you're looking for a way to make true and authentic connections with other people who are music lovers, who want to carry on the conversations that are started on the happiest hour episodes and who are friendly and supportive, 
join my exclusive online community. It's absolutely free and we would love to have you. I run fan contests there from time to time. I do free live stream concerts. The link is waiting for you at laurenlucas.com slash happiest hour. Until next time.